over here. <laughs> um, I just wanted to welcome first. You're so used to a song coming, and you don't know what to do with this. But um, um, and it's been quiet in here. Those of you watching, it's been unusually quiet. Just waiting for this to happen this morning. I don't know if it's unusually quiet in your homes, but it is here this morning. So again with lights. Welcome and good morning, Carpenter's Way. We're going to have a great time of worship. Here we are two weeks out from worshiping on Resurrection Sunday, and I don't know about you, but it has been still resonating and just in my mind, um, just the beauty of the story with which we get to be a part of, and the and what an honor it is to be able to come together each Sunday as brothers and sisters in Christ for the purpose of several purposes but one of them this morning that I'm going to help lead is to bring glory and honor to, to his name in worship. And so I've even chosen songs this morning that we are just going to, to praise him. They aren't necessarily songs about us, which sometimes are really good. But this morning, we're going to sing about him, and we're going to bring him glory and honor this morning. We even have a baptism this morning, So and, and of course, Pastor Mark will be preaching. So, <laughs> so we are ready. If you want to stand right now already and join us in worship, we'd love to have you do that. Adore you, heaven bows before you. Worthy 
attention to the baptism and Pastor Adam. sweetly 
over her sin and to want to learn how to obey God, um, want to learn more about him. And so um, she's excited to share this decision with you today, even though she's a little bit nervous about going underwater. (laughs) (laughs) Josie, has there been a time in your life when you have decided to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior? And because of that, who are you? That's right. All right. So let's take your hand. Bunny nose. Josie Bell, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ and raised to walk. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're we're just waiting. I'll be patient. (laughs) And as we do that, um, let's just continue to celebrate. What a joy to see um, a young one uh, make that decision. And as her mom said, that she was ready with a sense of urgency, knowing that I I need him. I need I need Jesus. And so let's. I'm going to ask you to join me and stand well I'm not standing y'all are gonna have to um and we're gonna read some scripture together and we're gonna sing through some more songs lifting praise to our father revelation 5 says this then I looked again and heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lord forever and ever. Amen.
with all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings you are my everything and I will adore you Holy, you are holy, 
Lord Almighty, God, you reign worthy, none more worthy, King of glory, God, you the right hand. 
Good morning, church, again. <laughs> Welcome. I'm glad that you're here worshiping our King with us this morning. And uh, I have just a few announcements for you as we continue. And uh, so I wanted to let you know of a few things coming up. Uh, it is an exciting time of year for uh, the student ministry and for seniors, high school seniors. And uh, so we've got some things coming up, one of which is Camp Generate. Uh, generate camp and so uh, the cost to our students is $349 per student but we want to help to lower that cost and so we have a couple of fundraisers I want to make you aware of all right the first I think you all are familiar with this one is called hire a teen okay and so the way it works is uh, back on the the table in the foyer out there at the youth table there's a sign up sheet and uh, if you need some work done, whatever it is, braiding hair, storytelling, you know, uh, weed eating, it just doesn't matter. Anything you need done, uh, there are some youth that want to help you get that job done. And so if you'll sign up and let us know what kind of work you need done, we'll pair you up with a student or a pack of students. And then you'll just pay the church on behalf of their uh, camp fund. All right. The second one that we have coming up is on uh, Mother's Day. We're calling it a photo fundraiser. And you know, everybody likes to take photographs around occasions like this. And so what we're going to do is have a photo booth set up uh, out there in the foyer. And uh, we're just asking for a donation. Come and snap some pictures of your family. We'll have a, a nice camera there set up, or you can use your fancy phone camera. It doesn't matter. Uh, but come and snap a few photos, and uh, that'll help lower the cost of camp for our students as well. All right. One final announcement for you is uh, on our Senior Recognition Sunday, which is May 16th, we want to help make that time special for our graduating seniors. And so what we're asking is uh, we're inviting you to gift these graduating seniors with some life essentials as they uh, head off on their new adventure, whether they're going to college or trade school or just entering the workforce, whatever they're doing. And so examples include jumper cables and, uh, you know, uh, cooking utensils and a coffee maker. We're going to need coffee, right? So uh, we want to invite you to do that on May 16th, and all of that will be set up in the library for you guys, all right? So that's all the announcements that I have. We'll invite Pastor to come up and teach us from God's Word. I just want to add that if you have an unusually ugly family and you don't want to take a picture of your family, they still take donations. So I just, I, you know, I knew you were thinking that, but uh, yeah. Josie, we are so proud of you. Man, and I am, and, and I, want, I want you to know, sweetheart, we are going to put every penny we have, every bit of energy we have in growing you up in the Lord, honey. You are now a child of God, and now we're going to grow you up to help you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that is what we do. That is what we do. We don't just have church. We don't just get people saved. We don't just get people baptized. We grow each other up in the things of the Lord. And that is a lot of work. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of prayer. Because this journey we're on, you guys, isn't easy. I don't care what you were told. It's not easy. It's a difficult journey. Because we have an enemy who wants to mess us up. And I, I, I feel like, feel, I, I, it's just my feeling, it's not a prophecy, 
I haven't had a vision or a dream, but I feel like there's a great sifting of the church in this country that is that as weird as this last year has been with COVID and everything else that has gone on, I think there's a sifting going on. I remember as a kid, uh, we had, uh, California is a very, uh, much like Texas, is a very historical state, especially around gold mining. And as a kid, uh, I was surrounded with sifting. We would go to the beach and we would take sand and put it in a really cheap beach sifter and you would move it and then eventually you would end up with shells. But we would do that also in the desert to find things. And, and in gold mine areas, you would always sift in order to hopefully find gold. You'd go to Knott's Berry Farm, an amusement park, and you'd pay 20 bucks to get 30 cents worth of gold, uh, now worth $452. But you would sift. And, and what that means is it separates. And, and the junk falls through, the useless stuff, but then it still separates. And there's a great separation. I have been, uh, I've been watching, and it kind of makes me sad, but some of our families, this isn't a negative thing, but some of our families after COVID want to be closer to their kids or kids want to be closer to their parents. I, uh, Zach and Hannah, as you know, are moving back here, and Hannah just got a job at, at Hudson, and Zach is going to be working online. We want to be closer as a family, which is a good thing, by the way. Most of us survived very well last year, especially if you turn the news off. They're still trying to figure out if masks help. Um, some days they do, some days they don't apparently. But the truth is we made it through and a lot of our families were closer. Well, I want to add that while every church, I, I, I just read, it, uh, they're about churches that are in areas that are open are only about 60% occupancy. You've seen that here at Carpenter's Way. A lot of you are watching online. You need to be wise. But what else is happening is people are moving around the country. They're moving back around. They're moving into places that, that, that bring family back together. And uh, I just want to warn you as your friend, as your pastor, as, as a shepherd, don't let Satan sift you away from intimacy with Jesus and his people. We need each other. We absolutely need each other. And uh, we need to pray for each other. I had the opportunity to pray with two people this morning. We need to look each other in the eye because no matter how, how okay you are right now with your job, and, and your own health. The truth is there's still an undercurrent of nervousness in our culture. That's just how it's going to be. I, I don't know how it's going to change back. What I do know is when we put our hope in what's coming and not what is, we will find peace. And, and uh, that is, that's what I'm seeing in Acts. Um, and that's just what I want to encourage you. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And as part of that, you keep encouraging his family. Keep praying for each other and encouraging each other because we need it. And those of you who are watching at home, uh, make sure that you're connected with your Bible study groups and praying for each other and communicating with each other. This is not a solo sport. Thank God that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. But, <clears throat> but also thank God that we don't do it alone. And, uh, and man, I, I, I just love it. It's kind of a funny time. We start at 9.33 or something like that after the countdown and that's because you don't come on time and, and all that. But, but we start around that time, and, and you never know. There's just a few people in here. We call them visitors. And then, and then it starts filling up, and we can watch online as the group starts growing, and, and you start listening in. Stay in God's Word. Stay close, family. Stay close. Because Satanists, remember that Satan is probably, for most of you, he's not going to come up with horns and <laughs> big teeth. He's not going to do that. He's not coming up with a big pitchfork because if you identified him, you would run from him. You would tell him to leave you alone and you would get on your knees and pray. He's going to come up with distractions. Good distractions, lots of distractions. 
And one of the neat things about this last year is all of the technology that has been exposed and all of us, probably all of us at one time or another has watched on the service or watched online. So even while you're traveling, even while you're on vacation, stick with our study. Just stay with us. You don't have to be in this room to continue the study. But everything builds on top of what has been taught. And, and you know the context is super important. So stick with us in our study. And, uh, and get here as much as you can to help us disciple Josie and Adam and his wife that's nearly perfect, Amber. And, and I, I want to talk to your family for a second because I assume those people that were clapping and celebrating with you are relatives. If not, they're super excited about a family they've never met. But we're so glad you're here, and we love your family. They get, they're, they're one of the few people in the church that get paid to be here, but we think they're great, and they're worth every penny, but, but we love them. And we are excited to see what God is already doing in our church through them uh, and going to do in the coming years. Uh, you know, it, it's, it was such a weird time to hire a student pastor because you just didn't know what next year would look like, but the church decided it was time for us to, uh, to branch out more online, and so Jeff and Mark that were doing um, this part-time were able to move into different areas, and Adam and Amber, we, I, I keep telling them, I think Amber's actually better than Adam, and we hired him, so... so. <laughs> It's like, it's, it's like the booby prize in the real deal right there. I'm just teasing. He knows I'm kidding. Don't worry. He'll have his time. Everybody lighten up. You all know that I'm not that good at my job. But, but it is such an honor to have them here. And I keep telling them, I think Adam's sick of me saying it. Man, we're glad you're here. And to, and to see you discipling your kid. Gosh. Amber, you led your daughter to Christ. You're going to celebrate this in a thousand years. And I just, uh, if you were lucky, I wouldn't have to preach. We'd close in prayer because there's enough in our hearts, but you're not that lucky. Because <laughs> there is more to talk about than salvation. And, and I hope you realize that. That is something at Carpenter's Way that I really emphasize. I, I want to make something that, that may sound weird to some of you, and, and especially you guys, but actual gathering, the gathering of the body, the church isn't actually an evangelistic thing, although God's gospel is in every message, but it's for God's people to be reminded that it is well with our souls because our king is still on the throne. He's still on the throne, and he's not going, oh my gosh, I didn't know COVID was coming. That silly little thing that happened in China, he wasn't freaked out. He's using it, and while the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and it is because that's what prophecy tells us, we are going to heaven in the arms of Jesus. And our job here is not to have an easy life. Our job here is to take as many people as we can with us. And so for the Josies of our church, and for you, it's our job to remind you it is okay, it's well with your souls, no matter how weird it gets out there. It's all good, and if we keep our focus on Jesus together, we're going to be just fine in the journey, even if it gets scary. And ironically, that's what this morning's text is about. Uh, it's, uh, we have been studying, for those of you who haven't been with us, and I want to bring your family along with us this morning. We have been in a study of the book of Acts. We just finished a, a six-and-a-half-year study in the life of Jesus from all four Gospels. It, it was only two years, but to them it felt like six. But uh, we literally walked through all four Gospels, the life of Jesus, and then when we got towards the end, I decided, well, now we need to know what life is like without Jesus in our physical presence, so we went right into Acts. And we're in Acts chapter 12 this morning, and, and, and I'll meet with you there in a moment. But before, you know, when we talk about what Jesus told his disciples, we think about things like, I'm building my kingdom. 
Seek first my kingdom. Uh, you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, uh, and, and uh, Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. I, I, I actually have studied for this. But, uh, and then the uttermost parts of the world, and we look at Acts and we see how that's fulfilled, and we go, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for doing that, because America is about as far away from Jerusalem as it can get. And if they hadn't been obedient to your call, and if you wouldn't have made that, we wouldn't even be saved today. And we look at that promise and we think, oh, God was so wonderful. Jesus, as he walked with the disciples for three and a half years, telling them what was about to happen. But we have kind of weird ears. I mean, they're not weird, they're common. And, and I'll show you why in a moment. You see, the disciples and us have a tendency to hear the stuff, stuff we love to hear. And we forget that he talked just as much about something else. And, and I want to begin our message by reminding you of that. In fact, uh, one of the disciples who walked with Jesus for three years, his name was Matthew, uh, recorded for us in Matthew chapter 10 these verses. Jesus is, a, is about to die. He's about to be arrested. They think he's about to set up his kingdom. But he says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Boy, that's the start, that's the start of a great conversation, isn't it? So you need to be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogue. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. Wow. Just because I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going to get flogged and I'm going I'm to be kicked out of churches and synagogues. But this will be, you will stand, verse 18, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you're my followers. But this, these opportunities, when you stand before judges and kings, when you're arrested, when you're persecuted, this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and unbelievers about me. It's almost like God has a plan even for our difficulty. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words to say at the right time. How comforting is that? I need to prepare myself. No, you don't. you got the Holy Spirit with you. For actually, it's not even you who's speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father's going to betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and, and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you're my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Wow! Thank you, Jesus, for this happy talk. No wonder they forgot this. No wonder we don't like to talk about it. When you are persecuted in one town, just go to the next. Flee to it. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than their teacher. Slaves aren't greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the member of your house will be called even worse names by people like Hollywood, the political class. I added that. In the Mark Bible, it will be there. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. And, and you know, when you read that, you kind of go, easy for you to say, Jesus, you're God, except that he was about to have all these things happen to him. And he didn't want them to happen to him. Father, take this from me. Take this cup of suffering from me. But not my will, yours be done. Don't be afraid of those who will threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. Uh, pause for a second. This is, I, I, I just want to remind you that nobody gets away with anything. Whether you have a donkey next to your name, or an elephant, or you are a, a movie star, or you are a Baptist preacher, there are no secrets in the kingdom. Everything's revealed. 27. What I, am, what I tell you now in darkness Shout abroad when daylight break comes. What I whisper in your ear, 
shout from the housetops for all to hear. And that's why this is recorded for us. I want you to tell everybody. I want you to tell our followers. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. What is the price of two, two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Some of you, that's not such a challenge. So don't... <laughs> I'm going to stop now and be serious. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, Miss Josie, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Another apostle, the apostle John, recorded this for us. This is something Jesus taught him, and he felt like we needed to hear it. In John chapter 15, he said, If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as its own if you belonged to it, but you're no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? Slave isn't greater than his master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they're going to persecute you. John didn't finish there. In chapter 16, 1 to 4, and I'm almost done with this part. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Because sometimes, and some of us are feeling it now at times, sometimes you look at things going on around us and you kind of go, it'd be nice for God to show up. It'd be nice for him to start healing everybody of COVID, or it would be nice to see something supernatural, or it would be nice, whatever, fill in the blank. And the reason we have this is because in times like this, when it seems like we're losing, or, or the good is losing, and it seems like maybe it's different, something else is going wrong, he wants us to know these things so that we won't abandon our faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. The time is coming when those who kill you would think they're doing a holy service for God. Even the church is going to hate us for speaking the truth. How weird is that? Because being a Christian doesn't get you to heaven. Being a child of God does. And I really feel like, and, and I've, been, I've, I've said this to some of you personally as we've talked, I really feel like there's a lot of Christians who need to be unchristian so that they can get saved. Because we have clearly mixed Christianity, Americanism, country music, and gun rights. And I like, I, I like guns. I'm not saying I have any. I just like them. The truth is, None of those things connect. If you are a follower of Jesus, you've been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live. Christ lives in us. It means I give up all my rights, including whether or not it's stupid to wear masks. I do it for the king. Well, what does mask wearing have to do with the kingdom? Well, it doesn't alienate me from people who need to hear from Jesus. I mean, it's really hard. Yeah, but I'm frustrated. I know. So were the Jews. The time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll remember my warning. So, so be comforted, church. Be comforted. And, and this, as I had mentioned when I started, this is as much instructive prophetic teaching from Jesus to the disciples, whom he told to shout it to us, because these things will be true until the Lord returns. Because he wanted us to know we, we shouldn't run away out of fear. Yes, there's going to be fear, but we can find hope in the promises of God. But these were just as instructive as make disciples who make disciples. We're familiar with that. Make disciples who make disciples. Well, not only that, make disciples who are willing to count the cost, who make disciples who are willing to count the cost. And part of our struggle with young Josie is we need to not only grow her up understanding that God is the God of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and her, but that there's a great cost in following Jesus Christ. 
That's part of the message that's missing in the church. The church today is a business mindset. Well, we're trying to grow our numbers, and the cost of that has been a full counsel of God truth. That if anyone wants to follow me, they're going to have to pick up their cross and follow me. That, co- that is costly, friends. That is costly. When these men started to follow Christ that we've been studying in Acts, these men and women, it was exciting. Jesus was talking about his Father's kingdom, something they had prayed for forever. And Is he true, the Messiah? He's the Messiah. He's proven himself. Look what he does. He heals the, he heals the lame, and he makes the blind to see, and the dumb talk. And Look what he does. Look what he can do for me. The problem was they only listened to half the message. It wasn't going to happen all in their lifetime and right then. They knew that he would establish a kingdom. They had been invited to participate. The things they would see and do with him were otherworldly. I mean, they were just remarkable. But picking up their cross, putting their selfish ambitions aside, that just sounded kind of like Jesus speak for, for those who weren't really on the inner circle. And that takes us to this morning's text that begins in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about that time that King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. And whenever you see the phrase about that time, you should, as a student of the Word, ask about what time? Because context matters to every passage in Scripture. About what time? About the time that Christianity was spreading beyond the Jewish communities to Gentile communities. About that, the time that the message of forgiveness through Christ was like an out-of-control fire in the dry plains and forests of the West. The church was growing not by tens, but by thousands. It was about the time that Saul goes from killer of Christians to evangelist. It was about that time that Herod Agrippa... Now, I'm going I'm to connect this historically for all of you because it's kind of interesting in this context. But Herod, Herod Agrippa, the guy that begins to persecute the church here at this point in Acts 12.1, is actually the grandson of somebody you're very familiar with, King Herod. You know King Herod because he was the king that the Magi came to, and he told them, I want to worship Jesus too. So when you find him, make sure you come back and tell me so that I can go to worship him. And what he really meant was, you let me know when you find this guy, because I've read from prophecy that he's going to be the king of the Jews, and he was, this guy was a paranoid schizophrenic. I, I know that's weird to hear from the pulpit, and how can you say that? Because history, remember, Wednesday night crowd, remember I told you that not everything we know about history comes from the Bible? Everything is validated. We know that this Herod guy was nuts. He was so nuts that he lived in, in such level of paranoia that he actually killed his own son because he thought his son was going to overrule him. That's how nuts he was. So this Herod Agrippa is actually the grandson of the guy you're familiar with that was around and killed every child, not only his own son, but everybody else's son in Bethlehem, two years of age and younger, so that the king of the Jews would not rise up and threaten him. This guy was evil. Maybe the most evil king the world has ever seen. He slaughtered every Jewish male child under the age of two, The only reason that Jesus wasn't a part of that is because an angel came at night to Joseph and said, get your family to Egypt right now. This guy was wicked. After he kills those kids, he kills his own son, who has had another son. So Herod Agrippa is the grandson of that wicked, whacked-out guy. And I want to remind you, 
Every time somebody says to you in the church, it's never been this bad, the Lord's going to return, remember this story every chapter, every week. I want to remind you that the world has been worse than it is today. I don't mind saying that we might see that the Lord's returning in our lifetime, but it is a lie to say that it is more evil than it's ever been because it's been worse. Lots worse. Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Where men were raping, the whole town was raping men who were visitors in town? That's pretty bad. And we don't have that. And I feel like sometimes guys like me threaten you into commitments based upon false information. And it's really important that we understand that we're not the first generation to have difficulty. In fact, in light of this, you have to ask whether we've even seen persecution. Now, if you live in India or China, that's a different thing. Or Iran. The Voice of the Martyrs, which is a ministry, and I'm going to talk about them in a few moments, but the Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry Julie and I have been involved with many or watched for many, many years. It's an organization that meets the needs of martyrs and martyrs' families across the globe. They say that right now in Iran, there is such a conversion rate of people becoming biblical Christians that they've never seen it before in the history of the world. It's outnumbering China. It's outnumbering, outnumbering India. It's incredible what God is doing across the globe. And just because we don't feel it in America because we're politically on edge or because we have coronavirus here doesn't mean God is not at work. And we, we've got to become comfortable with God doing his work, not just in us, but around us. Anyway, although King Herod Agrippa, this guy in chapter 12, 1, although he's king, he's on very shaky ground at this time. History tells us that he had incurred so much debt that the, actual, uh, that the guy who actually ruled him, and I, I know this is a little confusing, but a king served under an emperor. The Roman emperor Tiberius quickly had him punished and imprisoned because he had, he had put so much debt on Palestine. When he dies, though, the next emperor misses his harsh leadership over Palestine, puts him back over them, and he once again does his wicked leadership. And uh, he, he begins, uh, so he's in trouble with the people because he's making them do things that he's not paying them to do. He's in trouble with the emperor because he's always not keeping the peace. And he finds a way to make peace with the Jewish people. Guess what that is? Persecuting followers of Jesus. A cult. Back to our story, Genesis, or Acts 12.1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. Just as Jesus had foretold, not only had his followers become witnesses throughout the region and the, and the new world, but persecution continued, and now the apostles themselves began to die. Just as Jesus said they would. James is not only the first apostle to be martyred, but actually, believe it or not, he's the only one that's recorded in Scripture. I, I know that sounds funny, but that's because we can tell you how most of them died based upon extra-biblical history. But James is the only martyr, report, uh, the apostolic martyr, that's actually recorded for us in history, in Scripture. Jesus had actually told James in Matthew chapter 20, when he and his brothers, John's mother, on the way to the upper room, the, the, the Last Supper, remember, their, their mama went to Jesus and said, hey, would you let my son sit on your right and your left in the kingdom? And Jesus goes to the boys and says, you think you can handle that? I'm summarizing. You think you can handle that? Oh, we can handle it. We can handle it. Well, good news and bad news. The good news is, congratulations, you're going to share in my suffering. The bad news is, it's my father's decision who's going to sit on my right and my left. So in other words, you just volunteer for martyrdom. And here's where it's fulfilled. 
Again, we should probably listen to what Jesus has to say to us, even if we don't like it, because it should give us hope that he is still in charge, which takes me to Psalm 37, 23 and 24. Love these verses. The Lord directs the step of the godly. The Hebrew word there, direct, means grabs your foot and puts it in a spot. He directs. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, take that in, though they stumble, they never fall. Why? Because the Lord has them by the hand. I have a one-year-old grandson that is capable of walking who refuses to walk. He is unusually intelligent except for this area. But you know what? If you grab his little hands, he can walk like a banshee. I don't know if banshees walk, but it just seemed right at the time. But he can walk. If he gets behind something, he can walk. If he holds on to something, he doesn't even realize he's walking. And if you give him something, he'll stand up and he'll look at it, and then all of a sudden you can see it in his eyes. He realizes he's standing back on the table. He does stumble a lot, but we don't let him fall. Not, not, not most of the time. Sometimes he just falls when we're not looking. But look at the promise. You know, we love the fact that God directs the steps of the godly, but in our brains, what that means to us is God always makes me step in the place that makes it easier for me, and that's the lie. That's a lie. It's a lie of a happy church. It's a lie of people that aren't telling you the truth. Stephen was stoned because that's what God had planned for him. And James didn't die out of time. He was killed because his ministry and his task was over. Well, that's not very nice. It is when you realize how awesome heaven is. You see, for the child of God, heaven is heavenly. Julie convinced me, and I have shared this with you about a year and a half ago, that all of the worries, and I've told you that that's my spiritual gift, um, all of the things I worry about are actually founded in the fact that I'm not in heaven. You see, what I want is no sickness and no pain for me or my friends and I want us all getting along and I want us to have enough money. That's heaven. You realize that, right? Heaven is the place where moth and rust and thieves can't take anything. Heaven is the place where justice rules no matter what color you are or what your history is. Heaven is the place where there's no sexual abuse. Heaven is the place where the shepherd is perfect and he never secretly sins. Heaven is the place where you never have to worry about the things you worry about. That's heaven. It's the presence of God who's taking care of us forever. I go to prepare a place for you. That's heaven. And the problem is Mark has been spending most of his life trying to make heaven on earth. It's impossible. It's an absolutely impossibility. This is a fallen world. This is a fallen flesh. My priorities are wrong. And not only that, but even creation will never satisfy Look at your spouse or don't look at them. Just think about them. As good as they are, except for Julie Wilkie, they don't satisfy, right? And I only say that about Julie and we laugh about this. I promised her when we got married I would never use her as a, as a negative example. And so by saying how perfect she is every time we talk about her, she knows what I'm doing and you know what I'm doing. You laugh because it's just not true. I'm perfect, she's not. <laughs> See, you're mean to me, but you're nice to her. The truth is we all fall short of the glory of God and each other, right? But God never falls short of us. And somehow we've got to get our minds back there. It's not the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Baptist Church or the Assemblies of God Church. It's not your pastor. It's not great worship leaders. It is Jesus. And our hope will be found to be worthy uh, not a moment before we get home. And when we get home, 
we're all going to wonder what we were worried about. So true. All right, back to Acts 12. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. God wasn't asleep. He was directing the steps of their lives. He had the apostle John's brother, uh, James, John's brother, killed with the sword. God wasn't surprised that day. He welcomed him home as only God can. When Herod saw how much it pleased the Jewish people, he then went out and arrested Peter. Hey, I found my, I found my ace in the hole. Let's pick on believers. Does that sound familiar? Of course it does. So it's what the world does. Please understand, Herod Agrippa doesn't care one iota for the Jewish religion or the Christian religion. He only cares for himself. I think sometimes we think everybody hates us. Just to be clear, nobody hates you. Nobody even cares about you on this earth. What's going on in Washington, D.C. and Hollywood right now? It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with who you serve. It has to do with what you represent. And you are embassy ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven where things like righteousness rule and gentleness rules and people are accountable for the things that they do. And that's the opposite of what the world wants. The world wants a free-for-all of their flesh, which, by the way, never satisfied. But you represent self-control. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. You represent peace and hope. And the truth is, that offends the world. And... Actually, it is in their best interest to persecute us because we are very unpopular. And so were James and Peter. It was in his best interest to take Peter and James and kill James and imprison Peter. So verse 4 says, He imprisoned him, placing him under the guard, for, uh, uh, under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Boy, he's dangerous. Did they not hear how bad he is with the sword when Jesus was arrested? I mean, he cut his ear off. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial before the Passover. Godly people, including James and Peter, were being persecuted and killed to please the Jewish masses. Why does Luke make it a point that it was during Passover? Because there would be maximum, uh, there would be maximum PR impact for a struggling king. It pleased the masses to hurt our Lord on Passover, and it, plead the mass, it will please the masses to hurt us. The masses hated Jesus. They will hate those who live like him and love like him, and it will please them to see us reduced. I'm sorry, but that is what Jesus said. The author of the book of Hebrews wrote about this, about our faithful brothers and sisters, that King Herod and others through history, like Nero and others, have imprisoned and killed because of their commitment to Christ. And it refers to them as men and women of whom the world is not worthy. Not heaven, but the world. I had mentioned before a ministry called the Voice of the Martyrs. And this is an organization that's, uh, that, that uh, actually tracks, ministers to, and helps people who've been martyred. And if you go to their headquarters out front, they have a wall filled with names and the stories of Christians for the past 2,000 years that have been martyred for the faith. It's a huge wall. Why? Because those are men and women of whom the world is not worthy. James was one of them. We are those people. Not that we're great, but the God who lives within us is great. We are men and women of whom the world is not worthy, which means that when the world identifies us as that, they're going to hate us for it. You're an arrogant group. We're only arrogant because of what God has done, not what we have done. That's the mistake of the church. Too often we think we're that good. We're not good at all. Thank God for his goodness, right? And we've got to remember that everything we do is because of God and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. 
Verse 5 of Acts 12. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Okay, we've got to stop there. Because Peter was not alone, even though he was alone. This is something right now in COVID, I've got to say to you. We are not alone if we're together. I don't just need, this is, okay, pay attention here. I don't just need Jesus, I need you. Josie doesn't just need Jesus, she needs you. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Somebody needs to disciple Josie. Somebody needs to keep me on track theologically. Somebody needs to keep me believing the things that I teach. Somebody needs to remind you that you are not alone living in the world with a government that's for you or against you, that you are with God. And that's why God invented the church, because we need each other. We need to remind each other that being faithful is worth it, even if it costs us a lot. Even here, you got Peter in prison, and it's going to tell us how he was imprisoned. Um, well, let me read the next verse, Acts 12, 6. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. What is wrong with this guy? I mean, Peter is like super bad with a knife. I mean, I'm really, really, I mean, if you're going to cut a guy's head off, you, you do that. How did he do that? I'm not even a warrior. I think he used a pocket knife. An old timer, probably. He did not come to fight. He was, he was just being bravado. I will defend you, Jesus. And Jesus is going, I'm going to have to heal the guy's ear. That's how bad he's been. Look what they've done. He's got soldiers on his right arm. He's got soldiers on his left arm. He's got another group outside of him and another group at the gate. Wow. But what is Peter doing? Sleeping. There's only one person they're not worried that's incredible. And you know why? Because the church was praying for him. And the Lord was hearing their prayers and they were strengthening him. And because Peter had been transformed, I want to remind you that this was the same Peter who denied Christ three times so that he could live. This is the same Peter who just watched his friend and co-worker James run through with the sword. Peter doesn't seem worried at all as he sleeps between the two soldiers. <sighs> Must have been so annoying to those soldiers. But he sleeps. Why can he sleep? Romans 12, 2. Look at this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know what God's will for you is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's really true that God wants to change not only our behavior. It's not just about sin because our sin has been forgiven. He wants to change the way we think. And Peter finally has arrived in that area. So he's sleeping and he's going to struggle later in Acts. There's only one. Let me get into that in a minute too. But he's, he's resting. If you want to be courageous and strong in this season of time, time in history. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is in fact your text. Let's look at it one time together. And so, dear brothers, so, so what, uh, Paul, what are you saying? Because you've been saved by the grace of God, not yourself, not by keeping the law. And so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you'll find acceptable. This is truly the way you worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world or even the church for that matter. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, and only then, will you learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God, what do you want me to do? I want you to surrender. What do you want from me? I want you to give me your life. Okay, let me ask it a different way. Which college do you want me to go to? I'm not worried about that. I want you 
to be a living sacrifice for me. Fine, I, that's fine. I'll work on that after I figure out who I'm supposed to marry. No, that's not what I said. I asked you if you're okay not getting married. Lord, dear Lord, I asked you to take the desire for same-sex attraction away. Please, please, please. I know it doesn't please you. Now take it away. No. What do you mean no? No, what I want you to do is sacrifice it to me. I want you to say, if I struggle with this desire every day of my life, I love you more than my flesh. If you struggle in a bad marriage, fix my wife. No, you surrender. If you hate our president, hate our president. Okay? Change our president. No. How about I change you? That's what Christianity, that is biblical Christianity. It may not be Baptist Christianity, but that is biblical Christianity. It has nothing to do with saving America. While I love America and I, I want us to keep winning and whatever else is involved in that, the truth is I have been told in no uncertain terms to seek first the kingdom of God. And if that includes the downfall of America, that is God's call, not mine. And that is very hard for me unless I do what Romans says. Well, what about your grandkids, Sam? Aren't you worried about Sam? I worry about everything. It's not a fair question. So what are you going to do about it? I've realized I can't do anything about it, so I guess I'll just trust the Lord because I'm going to have to anyway. I might as well enjoy the ride with you. I'm having fun with you. I have, this Acts has given me such freedom. I'm, I'm having such a blast studying this with you. And Jesus, Jesus, he, I, I laugh with Jesus every week because I keep hearing him in the back of my head going, hey, Mark, what's the worst they could do to you? Kill you? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't know what that's, well, maybe you do. You see, Mark, an eighth of a second after they do, you get to see all this. What are we holding on to, family? These are our instructions. You want to be okay with the world as it is? Do that and then tell people they can join us. What the world longs for is not upset people. Everybody's upset. What the world needs is people who are at peace not being upset. And that is a gift of the Spirit. Back to Acts 12. And, and, and I know I've been going slow through this, but we're going to move quickly now. Because it's funny. This gets funny. So the night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, verse 6. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers, others stood guard at the prison gates. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him. Boosh! I know, I made that up, but he did strike him. I don't know what that means, but... And he, the angel says to him, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. I like that he says, quick, get up. It's almost like time is an issue to this angel. Quick, get up, and the chains fall off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. He is so close to God now, and, and, and supernatural experiences are so normal that he feels a touch to his side. He's told to hurry up, and in the vision, he actually obeys, and he still thinks it's a vision. Verse 10, they passed by the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through, and they started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. Hey, this is really happening. It's just like you would do. Oh, this isn't a dream. Pinch, pinch, pinch. 
I love it. The Lord has sent his angel to save me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders that planted, had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Now, this is the funny part. He knocked on the door at the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda, poor Rhoda, because forever, we're going to think of Rhoda not as the girl on television with the show in the 70s, but the girl named Rhoda, i got to find my text. Oh, came to open the door. When she recognizes Peter's voice, she's so excited that instead of opening the door, she runs back and tells everybody, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. <laughs> I just love that. I love it because even in the midst of difficulty, God brings us joy. She could open the door right away and we'd have talked about it, but there's something funny in this. She's praying and asking God to release Peter from prison, and when God does it, she's just overjoyed. And if you're wondering how the rest of the people in the house who are praying for Peter to be delivered, how they react to Rhoda, who runs in to tell them that Peter's just outside the gate, they say, you're out of your mind. So have hope, Christians. We're not the first generation to pray and not believe. It's right there. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, I'm not out of my mind. I promise. I took my pills this morning. We're fine. I promise there's somebody at the door. And, 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 and maybe it's not Peter. Maybe it's not. It's not Peter. He's in prison. He's going to be killed in the morning. It's not Peter. It must be his angel. Maybe they've already killed him, and his spirit has come to visit us again. You think the Jews had some wacko thinking? That's what they're saying in this. Meanwhile... Peter continued knocking because what do you do when you're released from prison by an angel, find out it's not a vision, and you don't know what else to do? You go to your friend's house and you keep knocking until they let you in. When they finally opened the door, four and a half hours later, I added that, and they saw him, they're amazed. More amazed than if it would have been his spirit, I guess. He motioned for them to quiet down and he told them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. Tell James and the other brothers what had happened, he said. And then he went to another place. And the truth is that except for a small section in actually chapter 15 of Acts, Peter not only walks out of, of their front room, but he walks out of, our, of the story of Acts. Until First and Second Peter, we really don't hear from him ever again. And most of us thought that Acts was about Peter. It's not. It's, it has more to do with Paul and, and all the rest of the faithful believers. But that's the end of the story. That's all that's recorded for us. Peter goes on to serve the Lord and ends up dying. History tells us upside down on a cross. They go to crucify him and he says, I'm not worthy to be killed as my Lord. Hang me upside down. And apparently he was praising as they, as they crucified him. Why? Because he'd been transformed. Story of transformation over. The rest is him fulfilling God's task for his life. It's not important for us to know because what God had him to do was, be, was between God and him and eternity, not between us. What a wonderful story of Peter's life. But the story isn't over because there's a prison without a prisoner right now. There's guards, four of them, holding chains with nobody on the other side. There's gates opened with guards who are standing there wide awake who didn't see them open. Meanwhile, let's see. I've got to get, find my place. I'm too excited. Oh, back at the prison. At dawn, there was a great, verse 18, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa, remember, the grandson of Herod who killed the babies, ordered a thorough search for him. I'll bet he did, because remember, Herod is doing this, Herod Agrippa is doing this so that the Jews will like him. Well, they lost prisoner number two, prisoner number one he killed. So he ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod inter interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. 
Afterward, he left Judea and stayed in Caesarea for a while. Why? Because he's a wiener. He was only out for himself. Please, I want you to understand this. I know that we get frustrated with the government of the United States and what they're doing to Christianity and our religious rights, but I want you to understand they don't care about what you believe. They only care about surviving and leadership. Nothing has changed. It's about power. That's all it's about. So quit being hateful. They're lost. This is what lost people do. They look out for number one. That's why they take drugs. That's why they commit adultery. They don't care about their spouse. They don't care about the impact on society. They just feed their flesh. That's what the world does. And most of us have done it as well, even as Christians. So we've got to stop hating. God forgave us while we were feeding our flesh. And what's the Lord's Prayer say? Forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. At some point, we've got to stand back and go, why am I mad at these people for acting like unsaved people? The world, Hollywood, they act like lost people. No, lost people don't have to be immoral. Yes, they do! If morality is from God's standard where you serve others, if that's what morality is, then immorality is serving yourself. It doesn't matter who it hurts. Please understand that our job here is not to hate sinful people. It's to tell them they don't have to live in their misery. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so he sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod, the ugly guy we're talking about, who ran away, Herod put on his royal robes, he sat on his throne, and he had a speech with them. Then the people gave him a great ovation, shouting, it's the voice of God, not a man. And he must have loved that. Oh, I didn't have to kill the Jew after all. They love me. I just have to speak more. Herod Agrippa had finally received the worship he desired, hadn't he? But as Jesus said, what good is it to gain the whole world's approval but not God's? This is a man that history tells us forfeited his soul for that one sentence. It's the voice of God, not a man. The world and all of its power and wealth cannot stop God from doing his thing, though. Verse 23, as soon as they said that, it's the voice of God and not man. Instantly. And the Greek here means instantly. At exactly that moment. An angel of the Lord struck Herod with sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving glory to God. How merciful is God to have given him even another opportunity. So he was immediately consumed with worms and died. And you do not want to die consumed with worms. That really stinks. It's worse than having your head cut off. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. Can't stop this. Dun, 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 dun. Boy, was MC Hammer right. It's true. No matter how many of us they kill, no matter how many of us they imprison, no matter how they run us off, no matter how hateful they are, you can't stop God. Because he's God. He's God. What are we so upset about? If the world gets darker, the light gets brighter. We have more people to tell about Jesus. And by the way, as God sifts the church, we're going to find out who's truly saved and who's not. Because there is a difference, like I said earlier, between being a Christian and being a child of God. Time for the church just to admit it. I'm glad you went to church your whole life. I'm glad you're an elder. I'm glad you have a little bow. But if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit's presence, you have every right to question whether or not this Holy Spirit is within you and you need to run back to Jesus.
According to Romans 6, 7, and 8, the only difference between a saved person and an unsaved person is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I know if I have that? Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. If those fruit are not present in your life, run to Jesus. Don't run to a Baptist church. I'd be glad to introduce you, and we got people who would, but it's not about Carpenter's Way. It's about you and Jesus, Him, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Send into a Jewish world and a religion that God created to work outside of it to say, you don't have to keep the Jewish laws to be saved. I came to save you myself. All who call upon my name will be saved. I love the last verse in chapter 12. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission in Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Pastor, why do you like that verse? Because it goes on. You see, our story is all about us. We, you know, how did it start? I was born November 23rd, 1966 at Grossmont Hospital in San Diego, California. When will it end? Well, when I, when I die one day. No, it's not my story. It ended the most moment I got saved. I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live. My story isn't my story. It's God's story. So when I'm dead, somebody else will mount this pulpit. Somebody else will carry on the message of the gospel. Somebody else will disciple. When we fall off, God keeps it going and that's what you see right here. Nobody's going, oh, James is gone. The story is done. The ministry's over. No. Peter disappears from the story. This, the ministry goes on. So what all is ha- what, what, what's all about this? Pastor Mark, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your eyes and sights on the realities of heaven where Christ now sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. And not a moment before. I added that. So what do you want me to do now while I wait for for sharing in your glory, God? Put to death sinful, earthly things lurking within you. And we all have them. They lurk. It's a great word. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is actually an idolater, worshiping the things of the earth. Because of these sins, the anger of the Lord is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is a time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, if you're a barbarian, if you're uncivilized, if you're a redneck. Does it actually matter if you're poor or rich, if you know how to use a fork or not, if you eat with your fingers, if you're slave or free? Christ is all that matters. And He lives in us. Since God chose you to be holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I fear that the world does not look at us with those words right now. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Please notice that anyone isn't just Christian or people you like, anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you should forgive others. You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. 
Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. That's going to require us being together. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Thank you, Julie and Chad and Selah and the rest of the worship team. And whatever you do or say, I love this. This is the wrap-up. Do as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Go get him. Represent Jesus. What do you want from me in America now? I want you to represent me. Not the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or Baptists everywhere or Assemblies of God. I, I want you to be my representative. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit that lives within us. Now take the words that were on the page of this book that you have prepared and sustained for us and make us living sacrifices and change the way we think so we will change, you will change the way we behave. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon, everybody. Bible study is going to start in about 10 minutes.